And welcome back, everyone, to just another day in sports. My name is Justin Berger, and we have got plenty of storylines to get to. However, today is no ordinary day. Filling in for Kieser, who is on the injured list with i Finals, Nick Lancioni, and of course, we still have Doug Watley in studio. Let's start with a trip to Happy Valley, gentlemen, where the Hoosiers played well but did not, uh, did not capture the dream. Yeah, I mean, coming into the game, we knew that this was going to be a tough one for the Hoosiers. Penn State coming off the lost Minnesota. They were energized. They were back at home in one of the best home field advantages in all of college football. And to Indiana's credit, they played them close. It was a 34-27 final, back and forth throughout. But the late mistakes by Indiana, and, and special teams specifically for the Hoosiers, really cost them, and it was disappointing to see them come this close in a tough environment, only to fall short and go 0-1. And before I just dive into this game, I would just like to thank both you, Justin, and Doug for this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to it's a big stage the podcast. Here. Yeah, it is the big leagues, but I really appreciate it. And uh, I do really appreciate the performance by the Indiana Hoosiers. It was not the performance I really expected to get out of them, especially at Penn State and Penn State just coming off a loss, like Doug said, to Minnesota, being energized, wanting to keep their playoff hopes alive, knowing that they have to go play Ohio State the next week, and obviously that'd be a big game. And they showed up, but the Hoosiers showed up too. The defense got off to a really quick start. They were they did not give up, give up many mistakes. Peyton Ramsey looked fantastic, really accept, did a nice job accepting the rule as a starting quarterback for the rest of the year. And I was very pleased with the performance that the Indiana Hoosiers put out there. Yeah, so I said to, uh, I think to Doug, I think I said I'd, I've never been so content in a loss. Yeah. Like, we, this this just proves that they can go out and play with, I mean, I think pretty much anybody in the Big Ten outside of Ohio State right now. Um, for me, looking back at this game, there were a couple moments where I thought, Maybe it got too big for IU. I hate when people say that, but it kind of felt like that. Yeah. The uh, for the the WAP drop on the first play for for IU on special teams to trademark that. Um, the WAP drop. The WAP drop. <laughs> but I, I don't think he touched the ball, which is the which is the really sad part. But he shouldn't on a on a play like that. You have to get as far away as possible. Right. Another thing is when WAP got just rocked and there were no flags thrown. Um, you have to throw that flag if you're a ref. You have to call targeting, and if it's not targeting, you can take it back. But you can't add a flag after it happens. You have to throw it initially. I thought that was bushwhack, and we Indiana lost the ball on that one too, um, which you can't really blame WAP for because he got concussed. Uh, Donovan Hale dropping the ball in the end zone is kind of inexcusable. Peyton Ramsey made that big move to open himself up and – you know, you can't assume that everything's going to happen the way it did, but if you score a touchdown there instead of a field goal and then the touchdown after IU takes the lead. So it just those are those are things you have to think about um, in the in the course of the game that led to I thought Indiana played really well with Penn State. I didn't I didn't think Penn State played poorly. Like I didn't think it was Penn State playing down to our level. Right. I thought IU played up to Penn State's level. Um, and I, I honestly, honestly thought that IU was the better team. And it was the it was not prime time, but it was on ABC. It was a national audience. Uh, Indiana, they've get they've gotten more fans, not just from Bloomington, but nationally. Like mm-hmm. people want to support this team because they've realized how bad they've been. So it's almost in a sense like the Cubs, where 
you haven't won in so long. When you get to that top stage and you're in the spotlight, people want you to overcome and, and get over the hump. But like you said, the plays that cost them, the Wapfillier drop, yeah, it didn't touch them. But as a wide receiver and as a leader of this team, you got to know if anything comes close to you, they have the option to call it. They're not going to have the best uh, view of it all the time. And in that case, they didn't as well. So being the leader, you just got to go far away, either get it. And the thing was, it was off of a bounce too. Yeah. So even more so, it's so hard to get a bouncing ball and pick it up and even make some yardage after that. Just stay away from the ball, and he knows that after. So he got injured after that targeting non-call. That was unfortunate. Also, the one thing that I don't think you mentioned was the fourth down, and I think it was four. Oh, the fake the fake real the punt. timeout, fake punt, and it went negative three yards or something and killed all momentum. It was the first drive of the second half. So Indiana was down, I believe it was 20 to 14 or something along those lines. Yeah. And that happened. And that just, like you said, it just brought me back to old IU football memories. And a lot of this game didn't do that. I thought it was a new team and a new energy that Tom Allen, he told his players before they got on the bus, if you don't believe we're going to win, I don't want you to get on. Stay home. And that was the message. They came this close. It's a step in the right direction, but Tom Allen wants more. Yeah, and then look, just looking back at that drop t- touchdown pass in the end zone, one thing that I was happy to take away from that was Peyton Ramsey is a mobile quarterback. And we knew Michael Penix had, had it in him all season long when he was healthy. And Peyton Ramsey, we've seen hit the flashes in the past when he was the starting quarterback last year, but he's just going – gone he went out there cemented the fact that he can use his legs when he needs to and he used it in a big time situation to avoid a sack and it easily could have led to a big time score so that's just a situation where that ball needs to be caught the wheels need to be turning there for indiana to pull out this win and at penn state well i think we're at the point now where we can no longer say that we can't use Peyton Ramsey as an excuse for why this team can't win because Peyton Ramsey is more than enough of a capable quarterback to get wins for this team 371 yards yeah that's double what Penn State had in the air. Right. I mean, I, Peyton Ramsey played his ass off today, and he played his ass off – when was the last game? Against Northwestern? Yeah. Yeah, two weeks ago against Northwestern. So the defense showed up. I, 34 points against Penn State in Happy Valley. If you would – I'd take that 100 times out of 100. Um, you know, they didn't let it get out of control, which we've seen the last couple of years when we play Penn State. So it's encouraging, but like we've said, that this team is – we're getting to a point now where – encouraging isn't going to cut it. And we that's happened pretty fast. we got a lot of high expectations for this team. So where do we go from here? Michigan next week at home, Purdue in two weeks in West Lafayette, I believe. Yes. Um, but Purdue's terrible. We've been saying that all year. They're really bad. That should be a win. The, really, the focus is on the Wolverines next weekend. And Michigan has gotten, I, I don't want to say hot because we know they're good. We know the talent's there. But since that blowout of Notre Dame – They've been a different football team. They went to College Park, Maryland, and destroyed the Terps. The Terps suck, but but still it's a road game in the Big Ten. And then they dismantled Michigan State this weekend in Ann Arbor. So the team that lost to Penn State and the team that got whooped by Wisconsin, they're not really seeing anymore. They're, They're scoring points, which has been an issue with this team in the Harbaugh era, really. Um... So it's going to come down again to the defense for the Hoosiers, whether or not what we see on Saturday. Yeah, the past three games, that Michigan's put up 45 points against Notre Dame, 38 points at Maryland, and then 44 
on Saturday against Michigan State. Like you said, the offense is really there. There are only two losses of the season on the road to then then undefeated and ranked Wisconsin, which was a blowout, and that's what a lot of people saw that one game and saw and thought, you know, Michigan, they're done for the rest of the season. This is the team that we're going to see, and they're not very special. But then they come back, they win three straight after that, they lose at Penn State, which we saw is, is a tough place to play, and then they won three straight. So the season's not over for Michigan. It's going to be a big test for Indiana. This time they're at home, so that'll be to their advantage. But, you know, a lot of students, once again, are not going to be there because it's scheduled during Thanksgiving break. So we'll see what crowd shows up at Memorial Stadium, but hopefully it's a big one to support the Hoosiers. Before the Penn State game happened for Indiana, looking at the schedule ahead, seeing Penn State and Michigan on the schedule, I definitely thought the win, the upset that Indiana could easily pull off would be against Michigan, but I've become a little less sure about that ever since really the Penn State performance. Mich- Michigan has dominated, like you said, Justin. They've really turned the se- their season around. Even in that loss against Penn State, they did have a chance to pull out, out that win with a couple of vital plays that didn't go their way towards the end of the game. But they they definitely have the wheels turning now. It's Although Indiana is at home, the defense is once again going to have to step up. I saw a lot of improvement from the defense, and really all season long I've been impressed with this Indiana defense, including adding two shutouts to their resume. Shutting out any college football team is not easy, but this defense has completely improved throughout the whole year, and they're really going to have to step up if they want to beat the Wolverines this Saturday. Yeah, I want to touch on Michigan, though, because the the knock on Harbaugh forever has been he hasn't been able to bring that offensive swagger that he had in the NFL to Michigan. Um, this year, it's kind of been a tale of two seasons. Like, you look at you look at what they did against like Wisconsin and Iowa. They won the Iowa game, but they only scored ten points. That's ugly. And then you look at what they've done the last couple of weeks. You score forty five against Notre Dame and forty four against Michigan State. Um, you just I don't really know what to think. It's it's tough with heart. They they cannot win the Big Ten championship. They are I, be, I unless I'm doing math wrong. They are mathematically eliminated. Uh, Ohio State would have to lose twice, and Penn State would have to lose twice, and that's not possible because Ohio State and Penn State still play each other. Right. So, oh, Michigan cannot win the Big Ten, but I don't know. Like, we're past the point. I think this is like year seven, so we're past the point of like stepping stones here. Like this is yeah, this is Michigan. Like, figure your shit out. They have all the money that they need. Yeah. They're one of the most supported by boosters and and alumni and just people showing out to their stadium. And they got their coach. I don't think it's a coach's issue, but it's kind of similar to many other teams in the nation. When it comes to that big game, Michigan, they used to be able to win it, but now they're almost always underdogs, and either they, they're they fighting back from behind or they just never give themselves a chance in the game. Yeah, I mean, that's that's where we need to see improvement from uh, from Michigan. Um, I want to move on to Alabama, the Tua-less Alabama team. Uh, they they won. They won against uh, Mississippi State, I think. Yep. And their Mississippi State's terrible again. The SEC West really has a couple of really bad, bad teams this year, which is unusual. But Tua went out I like two plays, Nick Saban said, before he was going to pull him and just completely tore up his hip. He's out for the year which sucks because he's one of the most dynamic players in football. Uh, Alabama still has 
Auburn on their schedule, and I, I'm pretty sure a, a cupcake this weekend. Uh, uh, Arkansas, yeah. right? No, they're playing uh, Western Carolina. Oh, yeah, Western Carolina. You've got to watch out for the Catamounts, so you never know what's going to happen there. But uh, Auburn, I, I said to Doug, I wanted to throw out some hypotheticals with this Alabama team because, I mean, there's a, there is a legitimate possibility that we do not see this team in the playoff for the first time in what feels like forever. Right. Or in the championship since Saban was there, you know, something like that. But no Tua. The committee is allowed to take that into effect when they uh, when they decide who's going to make the playoffs. So, are you really going to take an an eleven and one Alabama that beats Auburn? Let's say that doesn't really have any other impressive wins on their schedule. Their most impressive performance is a five point loss to LSU, in my opinion. They they beat Texas A and M on the road, which is good, but Texas A and M isn't a great team this year. So their most impressive performance is a loss. And, and until the Auburn game, of course. But do you take an 11-1 Alabama non-SEC champion without Tua? Do you take them as the four seed over a one-loss Pac-12, Pac-12 champion? It would be a Pac-12 champion. Or a one-loss Big, Tw- uh, Big 12 Oklahoma. Yes, I think Oklahoma jumps the Pac-12 champion. If I mean, it would have to be a lot of shifting. I think right now, as it stands, Pac-12, whoever wins it, if they only have one loss, they get in over Alabama. Yeah. I, I really believe that, and I mean, it's the knock to Alabama, and I really don't know how this is going to go because we've seen in the past that the college football playoff loves big brands, and they want to see big teams make it. So I think Alabama still might sneak in there, but from my perspective, you have to give it to the conference champion because you want to make a mark on saying, hey, this is what you need to do to get to that next level to be a top-four team. And if you're going to give it to an SEC team without Tua, and of course it's it's terrible to say that because it's injury and it shouldn't have been this way, but that's the reality of it. He's not on this team anymore. He's not their starting quarterback. It's a sophomore, Mac Jones, yeah. and he's not going to do what Tua can. So when you look at it, it's you got to give it to the conference champion. Sure, it's a Pac-12. It's not as good, obviously, as the SEC, but right now they have two top seven teams in both Oregon and Utah. So... Those teams, whether uh, whoever wins out of those two, and if they go one loss, I don't know how you don't give it to them. How are you going to contradict yourself saying conference championships are so important, but then just bring Alabama back in over them? Right. You made the po- good point, Justin, about how the college football playoff committee can take into account a big injury being to a Tagliavola. Tagliavola. Tagla- I yeah. got you, buddy. I got you. Thank you. I, I, the pronunciation <laughs> always trips me up. But – I mean, just kind of looking at what happened this last Saturday, it, he was all listed questionable the entire week. And I know Saban's been questioned about whether he should have started him or not. I'd, I'm I'm on the side that they should have rested him. I agree. I think, uh, why even risk it against a team like Mississippi State? If Mac Jones or the entire Alabama offense can't get the job done against the Mississippi State Bulldogs, then they've got bigger problems on their hands because this team is not very good. The defense held them to seven points. So uh, this, um, I mean, the, the fact that Saban decided to send Tua out there risking hit, risking injury, I mean, it, it could lead them to missing out on the playoff. And now that's what it's looking like because it's a major uphill battle. They're on the outside looking in. I I see it being very tough. I mean, LSU being up there at one, Ohio State, 
Clemson. Clemson's got an easy schedule. There's no chance I think we'll they get to lose. Clemson later. And yeah. They're just a candy ass school. I mean, it. And then you can you still have to take into account Penn State, Minnesota. I I'm still not entirely ruling them out. Oklahoma. So, Oklahoma. I mean, there, I, there's just so many teams battling it out, duking it out for that those last couple of spots in the playoff. I just I'm think I'm going to have to roll out Alabama for this college football playoff. Mississippi State's run defense isn't good enough, where, or it's it's bad enough where you could have just had Mac Jones out there hand the ball to Najee Harris 30 times, and he probably would have won at the same score. Uh, I, the, I, in my opinion, I agree with you, Nick. There was no reason for for Saban to drag Tua out there. He had a great game until he got hurt, but you could tell he was playing injured. He's been playing injured since the uh, since the Georgia game last year. So, you know, you can't be completely healthy all the time. I agree. I don't think there's much more we can stay on this. Uh, uh, it's going to be a tough game anyways for Alabama to go into the Plains and beat Auburn in two weeks. Rivalry game. You know, the Iron Bowl is always big. But that's in Auburn, you said? In Auburn, yes. Yeah. I don't I don't see Alabama making the playoffs, even if they have a statement win against Auburn. And he, imagine if they just rested Tua for that Mississippi State game. Look at who they have this week, Western Carolina. Yeah. Uh, that you you could have benched him again and had him fully healthy, maybe not fully healthy, but 80%, 90%. In the best place he's been in a long time. Exactly. Against Auburn, a big game that would have been a huge statement win heading into the SEC championship game. So uh, this season definitely up has a big question mark on the fact that they played Tua, and we'll see how this plays out for Alabama. Hindsight's twenty twenty. That's the thing, though. You cannot like, yeah, you can see it coming back, saying, yeah, you definitely should have rested him. But one, if you do rest him, he's gonna be a little bit rusty in his first game back. Sure, it's against what Western Carolina. It's not the biggest game, but it, it does affect the team a little bit. Two. You, it's just very tough to rest one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and Alabama. He's going to sell tickets as it is, so it's it's a lot more that goes into it. I think in hindsight, obviously, you want to rest him, but in the moment, I don't know if I would have done it. All right, let's actually let's go to the Plains, uh, Auburn, Georgia, oldest rivalry in the South. A great game, a really sloppy game for three quarters. Bo Nix looked like a freshman for the first three fourths of the game, and then in the fourth quarter, he came out firing. I've been saying the same thing about Jake Fromm all year, and pretty much since that, uh, since he lost in the SEC championship last year to Alabama, he is an elite game manager. Jake Fromm is not going to go out there and win you the game. He can put you in a position to win the game, but I don't think it's going to be Jake Fromm driving you up the field with the chance to win the game. Now, that being said... He didn't have to do that this game because their defense kicked Auburn's ass the entire day. Jake Fromm only threw for 110 yards. DeAndre Swift and the run game really were was the reason that uh, Georgia took a 21-0 lead through three quarters. So this was a great game. Auburn is young. That's what we've seen. And their three losses this year are against Georgia, Florida, and LSU. So it's not like they've lost to bad teams. All on the road except for Georgia, too. Right. So this Bo Nix, like we said, is an 18-year-old kid playing in one of the biggest stages in college football. So you give him another year or two to mature, and this Auburn team's headed in the right direction. Yeah, I completely agree with that. They they lost those three tough games. We've been talking about this matchup against Alabama. It's it's a team that has competed with the best teams, but are they able to get over the hump against a two-a-list Crimson Tide team, we'll have to see. They play Samford next week, so that's going to be a, a just kind of walk by. But then they got to gear up against the Crimson Tide. The thing is, you gotta you gotta 
<clears throat> which Bo Nix is going to show up. Is it going to be elite Bo Nix, ready to big gamer, or is it going to be you know freshman Bo Nix who, you know, gets scared of the big moment? And that's that's something we'll have to we'll have to wait and see for. But I am excited about the future of this Auburn team because I think they're more than capable of getting that back, getting back to the playoff. And looking at the season and their losses, I know Gus Malzone, he's he's making the big bucks, and that contract has been questioned a lot for a lot of time, but. This is the season that I think he really needed. I I know it's a young team. There's a lot of improvement they have to they have to make. But um, this they played this Georgia team pretty tough, especially with this defense being at their top level. They were breathing down Bo Nix's neck the whole game. They gave him no breathing room. He was under pressure almost every snap, and they lost by uh, seven points. They it was a one score game. And they had a chance to win late. Yeah, they did. They were they were it came down to the very end of the fourth quarter and at in the end it was just a young quarterback. He and they just couldn't get a drive going. But in the end, I I was pretty impressed with this Auburn Tigers performance and you look I mean, like you said, you look at the schedule and their three losses this season has been pretty good for them so far. Auburn was down 21-0 going into the fourth quarter of this game. Mm-hmm. So they could have given up. Of course, you want to get some points earlier on in the game. But I did like the fight that I saw in the last 15 minutes. I thought it showed a lot about them. All right, so Georgia, quickly. Besides the shocking loss to South Carolina, they, I mean, aside from that, so they would bad. have been undefeated. But, that was so bad. I mean, if, if, you, if you do your job and beat a bad, an average Gamecocks team, you're looking down the barrel of another playoff appearance, even if you lose the SEC championship. But now Georgia is going to have to win the SEC championship because they are not taking a two-loss Georgia team that lost in the SEC no championship shot. to Alabama. There's too or, many uh, other to LSU. There's too many better teams that have a better resume than right. that. So uh, it sucks for Georgia because maybe this is. I mean, Jake Fromm's old enough now. Maybe he can get it done for them. But I just I don't see it happening. Are you really that upset that they don't have a good chance to make it? No, I struggled back and forth. Uh, this weekend with this Georgia Auburn game because I got friends that go to both school and I obviously hate Georgia, <laughs> but I think uh, if Auburn had won, I would have been more unhappy. What's your opinion on Auburn? What do you mean, As... like allegiance wise or yes. what? Like, uh, do you do you root for them a lot or no? Is it... No, I don't root for anyone in the SEC outside of Florida. You're ever. that type of fan. Yeah, I don't. I'm and, and you know unless it's Alabama or I guess it's always been Alabama, but unless it's whoever's playing in the national championship. I'll root for them normally, unless it's Georgia, of course. <laughs> um, all right, let's go Baylor, Oklahoma. Wow, woof. Sheesh. What a game. There's a comeback for Oklahoma. Baylor undefeated coming into it. They looked great up until Jalen Hurts took over, ended up with four touchdowns. Oh, my gosh. In the second half, Oklahoma outscored Baylor 24 to nothing. Yeah, I mean, it was Baylor just looked dead in the second half. They couldn't get anything going on offense. Obviously, you're not expecting a lot of defense when you're playing in the Big 12. (laughs) But Oklahoma only scored 10 points in the first half, so Baylor was on their game early. And this was a game for Baylor that they needed to win in order to keep their playoff hopes alive. Now you have a one-loss Baylor team and a one-loss Oklahoma team, and if enough stuff happened, like obviously stuff has to happen, but if enough stuff does happen, you're taking a one-loss Oklahoma over a one-loss Baylor because Oklahoma beat Baylor well, are, and they're a bigger brand. Are these the two teams that are confirmed to be in the Big 12 championship? Pretty, I mean, not confirmed because there's still two weeks left, 
but more likely than not, because Big 12, the way they do it is they choose the top two teams, right? Yes, so Oklahoma and Baylor are one and two. Oklahoma State is third at seven and three. Okay. So, uh, you know, again, I'll say barring a weird two losses from both of these teams, Oklahoma and Baylor will be playing in the Big 12 championship. Yeah, so if you had to choose a Pac-12 one-loss champion or a one-loss Big 12 champion, who would you choose? I love this Oklahoma team just because anything can happen when they're playing. But I've been impressed. Utah's got one of the best defenses in the country, and Oregon with Justin Herbert has an equally dynamic offense. Um, so I, I honestly, I would like to see Utah. I think if I had to choose, but I think it would be Utah, Oklahoma, Oregon would be my order of preference. And then just bunch, because, and Utah, because I don't know when the next time I'm going to see Utah in the college football playoff is like, that's just an interesting team to have. The problem I have with the PAC 12 is just the, the difficulty of schedule and the entire PAC 12 has just kind of been weak for a very long time. Uh, you look at big time schools like UCLA; they have they have not been good in a very long time. USC has been very up and down. Arizona State got off to a very hot start this yeah, year. I, I cursed Herm Edwards. You weren't yeah. you weren't here. We, we, at the really, show, we're a big Herm Edwards. Yeah, podcast. it's my fault. <laughs> so that, I can blame you. It's my fault. The Sun Devils started losing. <laughs> yeah, five and two, and now they're they're just battling to get into a bowl game. They've lost three straight. So. Uh, this Pac-12, I mean, I've been, don't get me wrong, Oregon and Utah, I mean, have had fantastic seasons, but at the top of my wish list, I have to put Oklahoma. I love head coach Lincoln Riley. He's turned this program totally around. Every single season for him has been a success. And I think I love the success story of Jalen Hurts as well there. I think he's been incredible to watch. Uh, Both the first half of this game, uh, you would have given Oklahoma no shot. They were showing no signs of life. Jalen Hurts was, I mean, looked terrible, to be honest. And then it was a completely different story in the second half. And if I told you that a Big 12 defense was going to hold a Big 12 offense to zero points in a half, you would think I'm crazy. But that actually happened. Baylor was dead the second half, and Oklahoma had a statement win this last Saturday. I agree. I want to I talk about Utah versus Oregon, though. I, well, first let's 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 touch on and let's give some condolences to Minnesota. The miracle season, the the miracle of getting into the playoff is over, more than likely for Minnesota. Uh, but you know, it's tough for to, tough to go into Iowa and win a game. Yeah, anyone I mean, knows that Minnesota, and I think it was kind of a letdown. I didn't want to say I saw it coming, but. I saw the potential of it coming. I mean, after a huge win right. like uh, like uh, Penn State, yeah, like Penn State, right? It's something terrible is bound to happen. Exactly. I mean, Minnesota, they were up there. They had a good shot. Iowa, though, has been that consistent team. They've been a consistent like 15 through 25 AP team with every once in a while they get into the top 10. They always, but they're always like this good. Exactly. Like you you never want to play Iowa because they're always capable of doing something. Especially in Iowa City too. And they just shut down Minnesota's offense this uh this game. And that that Hawkeye defense, man, it'll get you. And that methodical pro-style offense. Big 12 foot or Big 10 football the score was 23 to 19. Yeah, Big 10 football personified, honestly. And, it's awesome. Uh, 
uh, bad beat to uh, all the gamblers out there that had Minnesota uh, plus three and a half. What happened? It was just missed extra point. Oh, that's wow. the worst. Yeah. So that was uh, that pretty much eliminates Minnesota. I, there's some stuff that could well, shake around out, in the Big Ten. They, I mean, they're still at the top of the West. They, they, if they win out. And they go to the Big Ten Championship. If they win the Big Ten Championship, do you no. really rule them out? Yes. Really? I think I'd rather give it to the Big Ten or Big Twelve, Pac twelve winner than Minnesota. I mean, they would if they did win the Big Ten Championship again, it would either be against Ohio State or Penn State. Right. They also do have to go to Evanston, beat a bad Northwestern team, and beat Wisconsin first, who is a good football team. So there are steps to get there, but even then, there's only four spots. Yeah, Obviously, I, I like Minnesota, but there's only four spots to be taken. You go LSU at this point, barring a loss to Arkansas. LSU is a lock, even if they get blown out by Georgia in yeah. the SEC championship. So LSU is in. Clemson is probably in because they're not going to lose. Clemson demolished Wake Forest by 49, and it was the best team they played all year. I ranted last week about Clemson, so I won't do it this week. But they're a, they're a joke. They are a joke. Are they playing Virginia in the, the I believe it is Virginia. Okay. I will check on that, but I'm pretty sure it's Virginia. Uh, so Clemson and LSU are probably locks. Georgia still has a chance. They have. They only have to do one thing, and it's beat LSU, which is impossible. <laughs> that only one thing. Right. <laughs> uh, and like, if, if Minnesota is the Big Ten champion, a one-loss Big Ten champion, then that means that you know, hypothetically, Ohio State's a one-loss Big Ten runner-up. All right. What do they get in over Oklahoma or Oregon or Utah like that? You know, we we won't know any of that until you know a couple weeks from now. It's just you know we got Penn State at Ohio State next week. We got Auburn at Alabama. We got Wisconsin at Minnesota. We got Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. Bedlam is always one of the best games of the year, and we've got Ohio State at Michigan still. So there are so many games, especially inside of the Big Ten and the SEC, that will decide virtually everything. And that's not even including the conference championships. Right, right. And Army-Navy in a few uh, oh, in a few more weeks. <laughs> That'll be a good one. Any other college football stories or scores or anything that we want to get to before we get to the most confusing league in professional sports? I think that's a, pretty much it. Just Indiana... Uh, against Michigan, that's going to be a huge game. If you're in Bloomington still, make sure to get out there. This team deserves it. Also, uh, for them being in a bowl game, I'm seeing a lot of things in Florida and California. Mm-hmm. Just to hear Indiana in a bowl conversation again, it's, it's a light to my world. Well, we have uh, actually, I just looked at the ACC standings. It is a three-way tie, or I guess overall record, a three-way tie in the Coastal between Virginia Pitt and Virginia Tech. But Virginia is five and two in conference, and Pitt and Vatek are four and two. So Virginia is in the lead right now to play um, Clemson. Clemson. All three of those teams are just—they should Com- be completely average. Correct. Virginia Tech is getting there with Fuente. That program is that program's headed in the right direction. All right, pro football. Let's start with Thursday night. Uh, the a game that was really, really terrible until the last six seconds. Uh, Cleveland legged out an ugly one. I think it was twenty-one to seven against the Steelers. Yep. Mason Rudolph threw four interceptions. It was it was bad, but there were actual assaults on the field on Thursday with Miles Garrett, who 
there's a legitimate chance he gets suspended from the NFL forever. Or I guess that would be expelled from the NFL, but <laughs> like that he's suspended for the season. It's really it's indefinitely, but the minimum is is the season and the playoffs. And this is a huge for this Cleveland team that's now 4 and 6 and has a shot at maybe getting that wild card. The Ravens are running away with the division, so that's gone, but this Cleveland team needs Miles Garrett. He's one of their best players. He probably is their best player at this point, talent-wise. Uh, you know, he just had a brain cramp. He was too much into the heat of the moment. Mason Rudolph, people really don't talk about the fact that, sure, he instigated a lot of it, but under that circumstance, you're already winning the game by 14 points. It's a big rivalry game in the AFC North. You're up, there's six seconds left or something, and you just bash a guy in the head with a helmet. That That's a attack with a weapon, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And just the way it went down, I was proud of Baker Mayfield for you know saying like not really backing up his team. He's like that was just screwed up. I don't know what went through his mind. That's unacceptable. Uh, and a lot of different storylines. Also, it's kind of funny once the news came out that uh, he was going to be out for the whole season and playoffs. Like then he's not going to make the playoffs. They're just no. giving the Browns too much credit there. There's no shot. I've been watching this video and replay of this fight over and over again and I just think about how thankful Mason Rudolph should be because if he gets hit by any part of the helmet I mean that's permanent damage you don't realize how hurt a player can get from the heart he got hit by like the side of the helmet which is actually probably the safest part to get hit by weird weirdly enough but I mean if he gets hit by the crown of it Anywhere else, I mean, that's a cracked skull. I, it was... Well, the big picture is that Miles Garrett could have been pr- uh, criminally prosecuted. Like, that that's all you need to understand about the situation. Like, that's how bad it was. Yeah, and Mason Rudolph decided not to press any charges. Uh, he, he uh, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it, he was held down by Miles Garrett. And I, I think people are arguing, saying that maybe he should be uh, in trouble as well. I think I, I want to pin all the blame on Miles Garrett. To be honest, I think you don't mess with the quarterback at all. He held him down a little too long. I think he was just he was just totally in the wrong, totally in the wrong. I don't put any blame on Mason Rudolph in this situation at all. Mason Rudolph's punishment was already booked when he had four interceptions. Right, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's true. That's good enough for him. Move <laughs> on to getting Miles Garrett in trouble. All right, your Atlanta Falcons, the next Super Bowl champion. This team, this <laughs> team, man, that. I don't know. I don't know. This team won, went into Carolina 29-3 to against the Panthers. They haven't allowed a touchdown <laughs> in 10 quarters. I don't, I, I'm at a complete loss for words. Like, there, there is a realistic chance, not a screwed up my brain chant, chance, but... This is another segment called Justin Reads a Schedule. <laughs> Next week, Buccaneers. The week after that, Saints at home on Thanksgiving. Huge game. Panthers again. I, they didn't show me anything yesterday. 49ers, Jags, Bucks again. Why can't this team win out and go 9-7 and seven with the way they've been playing? Matt Ryan looks elite. The offense has found themselves. Dan Quinn gave up play-calling duties on defense. And this defense has a lot of touchdown in 10 quarters. Are you kidding? This team is rallying around Dan Quinn. They are. They are. That's the storyline, really, that Dan Quinn was theoretically a game away from being fired. Some thought he would have 
like me, thought he should have been fired in between the bye week and Arthur Blank held off. This team, there is no doubt that this team loves Dan Quinn. And if he keeps winning, he's going to save his job. And he he's going to be coaching here again. He should. He, you've seen the past two weeks, both away from Atlanta, both against two potential playoff teams. Inside the division, too. Inside the division. I don't know what else to say. Like You, told, you said about how their defense, which has been a huge problem earlier in the year. They were one of the worst defenses in the league. All of a sudden, they come alive and they stop Kyle Allen, which, okay, that's saying it's whatever. Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey, <laughs> which is also an incredible job against him. He had no touchdowns. And then Drew Brees and Michael Thomas and that offense. So they're not just playing the Dolphins and the Jets here. They're playing two great division teams, and they played outstanding. Now they're only 3-7, and seven, yeah. but it's better than 1-7. and seven. I wish they had turned it up earlier because uh, the wild card teams in the NFC – they already have eight wins. It's right now. It's the Seahawks and the Vikings, right? Right. There's. It's just going to be. There. Those teams aren't going to lose out. Like then, that's what the Falcons need to make the playoffs. Um, but it is. It's encouraging. You. This is the team we expected to see. I. All of us. And even Keezer talked about it last week. Like this is the Falcons team that we were looking for. Ever since Sam Darnold said that the Jets have a chance at the playoffs, I think every single bad team in the NFL just ramped up their game and started scoring points because I've I looked all around the league this past week the Broncos impressed me against the Vikings even though they blew it against him but I mean who expected them to put up a fight against them but kind of circling back to the Falcons I did not think there'd be any shot I'd see any sign of life from them for the rest of the year and honestly I was just thinking the best option for them would be to shut down Matt Ryan, call it quits, go for a top pick. Now, why not? Why not just go for the playoffs, keep playing? You look at the rest of the schedule, like you said, the Panthers have not looked good recently. Anything can happen between the Falcons and the Saints, obviously a big rivalry game. And then the Buccaneers are a laughing stock. They, they have no shot at winning any any against the Falcons at all. So, who knows what can happen? It, it it things are looking good though for Atlanta. And the Falcons did this yesterday with Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan was putting the ball. He was putting the ball in places I haven't seen him put it in years. Brian Hill, third string running back, that he killed it yesterday. He only ran for thirty yards, but was just a uh, a good piece that the Falcons needed just to establish a run game. And they played. They did well. Calvin Ridley went off. Julio went off. Uh, no Austin Hooper yesterday. Really, they did this. They had this performance without a lot of their best players, and most importantly, the defense. The defense was the reason the Falcons made it to the Super Bowl uh, three years ago. Uh, that offense obviously was one of the most prolific in the history of the NFL, but the defense was the reason that they were able to stay in games. And we haven't really seen it from them recently, but now four interceptions yesterday, six sacks two weeks ago, I think another five today. Or yesterday, so it's uh, it's an encouraging sign. The only problem is we're probably not going to be able to see the uh, fruition of this until next season. But hopefully, this is just something that can uh, that can blossom into something beautiful for the Falcons. Now, yeah, you I do want to say a couple, of, two more yeah, things yeah, about yeah, the Falcons. Yeah, go for it. Uh, one, just the big thing is the morale of this team heading into next year. It could have been a complete rebuild, but now they're seeing signs of all right, this could actually work. So I think that's number one 
Very positive to see. But also for Matt Ryan, top 10 quarterback all-time in pass yards. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, I mean, he he's played long enough, and he's been good enough for 10 years that yeah. he— uh, that that's just a reality. Still, top ten is but that's impressive. No one gives Matt Ryan credit, Seriously. and it's uh, it is it's shameful, especially Falcons fans who think he's the reason we're bad. And I mean, post he's the only reason you're good. Post Vic era, if you had told a Falcons fan we'd have this, like you you have a team that goes from Michael Vick getting arrested to drafting Matt Ryan, and no one no one gets that lucky that you get to go from a revolutionary quarterback with Mike Vick. To you know that that high peak, and then you go all the way down with Vic getting arrested, and then you draft this kid from Boston College with the third overall pick, and he turns out to be one of the best passers in NFL history. So it's a wild roller coaster the city of Atlanta has been on. Uh, your roller coaster sucks. Your team sucks. <laughs> like thanks. We're at it. that point. I I'm sorry. You can say whatever you want about the Falcons and kiss my ass, but <laughs> the Bears are. Bad, like really, really bad, and there's a lot of issues. It's nice to know that you struck gold with Matt Ryan in the top three picks of the draft, <laughs> whereas we struck a dud, a dud, and with the trading up for the second overall pick to draft Mitchell Trubisky, and then we always have to be constantly reminded. Bears fans have to be constantly reminded. We passed on Deshaun Watson. We passed on Patrick Mahomes. I know that. Another, uh, another yeah. sighting in the graphic. I, I feel like, yeah, we're reminded every single week when the Bears are on national television, and I, I'm sick of it because I know Mitchell Trubisky's bad. You don't have to remind me. And boy, oh boy, last night was very tough. I want to say, though, that the problems are deeper. Oh, it's a lot oh deeper. they definitely are deeper. And I want I you both want, to get into that. I just want to vent that. on Mitch for a little bit. Get, get, I want you guys to get into that. All right, so, I mean, just pretty much what happened, 17-7 loss. Uh, the Bears scored zero points in the first half, zero points in the fourth quarter, and only a single touchdown in the third quarter. So, with that being said, it is not only Trubisky. That is only a part part of it. He had some good throws that were dropped, one by Allen Robinson. I remember two by Taylor Gabriel off the top of my head. I'm sure there were more. It's not the defense's fault. You cannot say that. But one thing that hurt us last year, and it's been a little bit better this year, but once again... We're seeing the negatives of Chicago kicking. And this time it's Eddie Pinheiro. We the Bears could have been up six to nothing early in this game in the first quarter and had momentum. Because they were dominating early like they set up their drives well, but two missed field goals by Pinheiro really set them back. And yes, you can blame Trubisky all you want, but the like you said, the problems go much deeper. Well, you also had uh, Nagy deciding to go for it on like fourth and eight from the thirty one yeah. yard line because he wasn't comfortable with right. Pinero going out there to kick a 40-plus yarder again. So, you know, go ahead, though. This you look isn't at, my part. <laughs> you look at the—I mean, why do the Bears even bother showing up to play the first half in any game? They, they show—they're brutal. It's it's terrible to watch. I, I get so upset watching them play every first quarter. I don't know. I don't, when was the last time they scored in the first quarter? I can't even remember. That's how be- bad— I think been. it was before the Chargers, which was, what, week eight? Yeah, it's been it's been close to a month, so that's that speaks volumes. And uh, boy, oh boy, if we had Robbie Gold, if we just had Robbie Gold, I miss Robbie so much. People say they don't realize how good of a kicker that we used to have. Robbie Gold is a franchise kicker, all time leading scorer in Bears history. I'm pretty sure. And 
then you get rid of him because you don't want to pay him, and now you deal with the consequences. I, know, I mean, another, and we talked about this last week, but uh, you are, you, and I say you, I don't mean you, yeah, but I know. the Bears are wasting they have a, a window. defense that has a window. Like, you can't just get, get the shit kicked out of you for 16 games a season and expect it to last for seven years. You have a legitimate two, three, four-year window, and we're in year two of this defense. So figure it out. Get a quarterback. What is their plan? So, <laughs> Justin, I'm going to steal your segment right now. The Bears yeah. play the Giants, then the Lions. So two winnable games. Sure, that will only put them at 6-6, six and six, but it's something that is, like we just haven't seen anything positive out of this Bears team in a while. So those two games would be huge. One of them's on Thanksgiving Jeff against Driscoll's the Lions. Jeff Driscoll's elite. Watch out for Jeff no, he's Driscoll. not elite. Get out of here. Okay, <laughs> Watch out for Jeff Driscoll. Fan. Then they have the Cowboys, Packers, Chiefs, Vikings. So, before we get to those six or four games, Giants, Lions, the Bears have to go two and zero. Holy shit, they have a tough schedule. Yep. Those last four games, there. I mean, that's that that has zero and four like mm, written all over it. It does, but it doesn't. You got because I'm a Bears fan. I would tell you that you could beat the Chiefs, but the, because their defense is so bad, but your offense is worse than the Chiefs' bad defense. Somehow, <laughs> I like our. I, I like our chances when the defense is on the field. I, I we have a better chance of scoring when the defense is on the field than when our offense is yeah, on the field. Yeah, literally. It's it's sad to say, but I mean, boy oh boy, this offense has just been abysmal. And Trubisky, I I do have to say, I don't even think t- last night was his worst per- performance of the season. I don't know if that's just me. I saw him make great throws yeah. and I saw a lot of missed opportunities, a lot of missed grabs from Taylor Gabriel. Allen Robinson didn't rise up to the occasion against Jalen Ramsey. There were just it there it you can't pin it all on Mitchell Trubisky, and it goes beyond the players. I didn't even like the play calling from Matt Nagy last night. Once, I thought once again. I thought, I mean, how hard is it to convert on a third and one? Why is that the biggest issue of the season? We you can't just run it up the middle. In, instead, we go an option. Yeah, we're, we're doing options. Mitchell Trubisky doesn't even know how to run the option. Right. He can't get to the outside quick enough to pitch the ball to his left to Tariq Cohen, and then we get we actually find a way to lose two yards on that play. It's just I I, I can't I can't it's sound off on Matt Nagy enough. But the play calling, it's been different. I don't know what. There's something in his coffee because I, I I don't know what it is. This year has been a different year for Matt Nagy. It and, has. And it, I, what happened to him, the hit the mono he had on his playbook saying, just be you. It, because there is someone in disguise as Matt Nagy right it's, now. It's been a completely bipolar season compared to last year. And it really has. And, you know, it's, you got to figure out what's going on in that locker room. Uh, Ravens, 40 points again, third time this season. They are a wagon and they are right now they look to me like the best team in pro football. Lamar Jackson can't be stopped. And I wrote down I wrote down that this is the best offense I've seen like I can remember in a long time but you know you look back at that 2013 Broncos offense with Peyton Manning, 2016 Falcons, 2018 Chiefs where Mahomes had 53 touchdowns or however many he had. And this this Ravens team could score with any of the prolific offenses in NFL history. And their defense is good, too. You compare them to the Chiefs of last year, the Chiefs had stars around Patrick Mahomes, though. Lamar Jackson doesn't really have that. It's him, Mark Ingram, and Hollywood Brown. <laughs> exactly. And, like, you think of those three names, you're like, really? Those guys are scoring 40 points a game? But they find a way. And Lamar Jackson, he's 90% of it. Uh, also, the offensive line does a great job with this, too. So, 
I thought they robbed us of a great matchup against the Houston Texans just because they dominated from the start. They went up 14 nothing going into half and did not look back. They Houston though looked very very disappointing. I thought Deshaun Watson would have a statement game. They scored seven points and all of those came in the fourth quarter. Oh, they looked dead. Yeah. So I, I mean I don't know. I I thought the Ravens are who we thought we they were. Like I really thought they were this good when I saw them play the Patriots. The Texans they disappointed me a lot. Yeah, I thought Houston was going to go on a roll um, after winning two straight games, one against the Raiders, one against the Jaguars, and nothing. They just had no answer for the Ravens. Uh, The defense got dismantled, and then Deshaun Watson, like you said, did not rise up to the occasion. And a couple other games that were yesterday, I mean, it was was a pretty packed Sunday, really. It was a good good one. Patriots went into Philly and won a really – terrible game just a lot of punts and I wasn't really entertained watching that one but again the Patriots find a way yeah I guess cool. whatever cool Patriots fans um I don't think the Patriots are good enough to win a Super Bowl this year compared to the other two. they they cannot score their offense is not as good as it was the defense is fantastic but the off I like you it's the same thing with the Bears like you know Tom Brady is not at Mitchell Trubisky <laughs> level but um they're just not scoring at all this year and then you know you look Tonight, you got the Chiefs and the Chargers, and two more borderline playoff teams. You know, the Chiefs have to figure it out. They have to figure out what's going on on defense. You know, you assume if Mahomes is healthy, you're going to have enough every night where you can go out there and score 35 points. But the defense is allowing 30 points a game consistently. And it's going to be a tough game. Phillip Rivers, Melvin Gordon, Keenan Allen. The Chargers are only 4-6, and six, but they still have that firepower to pop off on a big-time stage, Monday Night Football. It's not a guaranteed win for the Chiefs. And last time these teams faced each other, Philip Rivers led the Chargers to a comeback win in a game-winning drive. They are playing in Aztec Stadium, though, in Mexico City, so that is something to note, and that field is notoriously shitty. I think that's a bigger home field advantage for the Chargers than their actual field in It LA. might be. I mean, you know, the youth center in... in <laughs> yeah, it's just they're terrible. Um, one more thing we didn't talk about last week. We recorded before the Seahawks 49ers game, but wow, that was a great game. Seahawks right. came out and won in San Francisco, so a good one for them. 49ers no longer undefeated. And also this past weekend in Atlanta, Colin Kaepernick worked out for a few teams, so we'll see if that leads to anything for him, see if he can get a job. His arm strength is still there. His mobility is still there. He's 32 years old now. Um, we'll just see if any, if any NFL team's willing to take the press hit right or wrong whatever you think about him but it is a it is a media nightmare if you take him on for a backup quarterback too right but he that arm strength is still there and that's what matters um IU basketball NCAA basketball a couple things IU won they're still not into the meat of their schedule yet but I believe they've won two games since the last time we've been on yep coming up I believe the next game is Princeton in a couple days correct on the 20th Wednesday Um, uh, you know I really was really impressed with the performance against Troy this weekend Uh, you know won a won a weird one against North Alabama it was a close game at halftime I think IU was only up by eight ended up winning by 25 or so but the Troy game was great well Troy is not very good so preface that like the teams that Indiana has played have not been good, but Troy is worse than all three of those teams. They have not won a game yet this year. But with that being said, from the Hoosiers' perspective, Trace Jackson Davis is looking like the real deal. Only a freshman. He was named Big Ten co-freshman of the week this past week. Uh, against Troy, he went 6-for-6 six six from the field, 
and had 14 rebounds. So 17 points, 14, nice double-double. Sure, it's not against the big bodies of the Big Ten yet, but this is a nice warm-up. Indiana scheduled their, or they put their schedule together for this reason, to get these new players acclimated to playing at Indiana. So it's a good start. 4-0, sure they're not against great teams, but it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, Trace Jackson Davis, I've been impressed with him all year long. He can control the bo- the paint at any point in time, uh, and it helps to have another guy at 6'11", Joey Brunk, on the floor at the same time. So having both those guys out there, they're going to clean up a lot of rebounds. And t- two other guys that have really impressed me is Justin Smith continues to dominate offensively, as well as Al Durham. These are going to be two key leaders uh, for the offense going forward. We said last week Al Durham is the vocal leader of this team and has been for probably a, a two years now. So, I mean, it's just it's, it's good to see. this te- And it doesn't really get tough for them until – the 3rd of December, you know, Florida State, then Wisconsin, then UConn. That's quite a stretch. All right. But, uh, you know, you got three more warm-up games, realistically, um, and then you, you get to the big boys. Also, no Devontae Green yet, so he'll be another added piece. Once, Hopefully he's health, healthy he, he played against, against Troy. Florida State. He did? Yeah, he played oh, against so Troy. Back. Oops. He played and uh, Rob Finnessy didn't. That's okay. Gotcha. Finnessy was uh, sick, I believe. But, yeah. Um, he did. He did play. Devontae Green. Yeah, he he got twenty minutes and then scored off the six, bench. So good enough. Uh, James Wiseman update, Doug. Yeah. So pretty much, if you don't know who James Wiseman is, he was a top recruit heading into this year. Signed with Memphis and Penny Hardaway. But before Penny Hardaway entered his first year as head coach at Memphis, paid eleven grand for James Wiseman to move. And sure, he was not the head coach, but at the time, he was still considered as a booster. So that was illegal. He was suspended indefinitely. Played two games after that suspension because things were still kind of pending. He was planning to file a lawsuit against the NCAA. Dropped that lawsuit, and now he is sitting out. So with that being said, this is like the first big thing for a freshman not to be playing for a while. And... It sucks to be honest because it's a robbing of college. It's robbing college basketball of great talent, and they're just going to skip over and go to the NBA. He's also viewed as a really has the potential to be the number one overall pick in the NBA draft next year. Yeah, so. and he's a he's a great player in Memphis. They're very young, but they're very talented as well. So they're going to get a big drop back because of it. Yeah, and look. Like you said, I was just about to mention that. I mean, this Memphis team really is on the rise. Penny Hardaway has done a fantastic job recruiting, and it's definitely a big hit on this team going forward. All right, let's move to the pros. Mello. <laughs> I, I, I'll I start. I'm not. I don't like Mello. I think he plays terrible team basketball. That's. I mean, not I think. He does play terrible <laughs> team basketball. He's old now, too, and the uh, Trailblazers are really bringing him in to fill an offensive issue. Spin zone. The Trailblazers, when they got him, were 4-8. and eight. They w- had no identity. They were a three-seed last year in the tough Western Conference. They still have the talent. They just need a little bit of boost, and weirdly enough, Carmelo Anthony might be that boost. I I don't see that at all. I'm, I'm not, go- I'm not I'm going to lie. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, I, I don't know. He... He, did he finally accept the fact that he's going to be coming off the bench and just be a role player? Because it kind of took him a while for him to recognize he's not the starter anymore. He hasn't been good in years. It's legitimately been multiple years since he's been a difference maker. When was the last time Dwight Howard was good before this year? 
And look at him now. Arguably had a good season with the Hawks a couple years ago. Yeah, but at the same time, he wasn't that peak. So I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm saying it's potential. They're equal PR nightmares, both of them. Exactly. I I wouldn't sign him. Hey, the Blazers, they're 1-0 since he signed, even though Melo did not play. No minutes. (laughs) Zero minutes, but one win. So, I mean, let's, let's, uh, you know, flash forward to the end of the season. Does Melo make a difference for this Trailblazers team? I don't know. At if he the end it. of the year, your goal for every team is to win an NBA championship. Does this mellow signing get you closer to that? On the floor, probably not. But I'm he can help this team in the locker room. You think Mello's such a? He's I, I don't even watch my mouth. He is not a locker room guy. Mello's a shit disturber, like he's always been. But he can be a positive veteran presence if he accepts that role. I don't know if he's going to, yeah, but he what, can. That was my follow-up question Dwight as Howard, a journalist. Can he? Dwight Howard did. Why can't Mello? All right, fine, I guess. Golden State sucks. They're really bad. And they, they're they really injured, but they're really, really bad. Yeah, they just don't did have Did you see anyone. Draymond running the point Yeah, this last game? I, I mean, some of the passes and some of the lobs he threw were just, I mean, laughable. And they then lo- they lost to the Pelicans. Yeah, they lost to the Pelicans. And it's just ugly. Yeah, Pelicans obviously without Zion Williamson, a rebuilding team. It that that is a pretty bad loss. Uh, also, right now the Lakers and the Celtics are playing best basketball in the NBA, so it's kind of a nostalgic factor for. I mean, we weren't alive, but all the '80s fans. fans. Yeah, I mean, it it really does. It does feel like it's going to shape up to be like that. The 76ers have taken a giant step backwards. And they're you know the Clippers are the Clippers are good, but yeah, it'd be nice to kind of see Lakers Clippers in the West. I think that would be pretty cool, and then you know maybe have Celtics Lakers in the East. Um, also, last night just something cool that happened: Greg Popovich got ejected. So Tim Duncan <laughs> was the head coach of the San Antonio Spurs for like a quarter. So that's just something. cool. What do you think? Have you seen his hair recently? No, it is, is it bad? weird. It's just not Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan's that kind of calm, collected guy. To his hair is a different person. <laughs> Weird podcasting note because you don't have the video to yeah. associate it with. You, you, while <laughs> you're listening right now, look it up. Uh, all right, let's get to some segments. Doug, overreaction of the week. All right. Uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier, but at this point in week 11, I can predict all 12 teams that are going to make the playoffs right now. And right. in the NFC, nor- or in the NFC, it's pretty easy. The gap between the 6th and 7th at the 6th seed right now is the Vikings. The seventh seed is the Rams. So standings-wise and also talent-wise, there's a big gap. But for the AFC, I think it's going to be New England, Baltimore, Indy, Kansas City. Those four are locks. Houston's still going to be up Indy's there. You think Indy's a lock? Yeah. Who else is going to challenge them in that division? The Texans? I think they both get in, though. So I have the Texans. And then also the Raiders, they have an easy schedule. They'll walk in. Yeah, I think the, I mean, the Raiders have played great football. I agree with that. But I, I'm a little wary of Indy. I don't know. But then the other team that I did not include, and a lot of people did, is the Bills. They're at seven and three I right love now. The Bills. But their schedule has been weak. Yeah, they, they haven't, haven't played anybody. Anymore. That's true. So I'm. So those are the twelve teams. We can go back to it when the playoffs get released. Lance, uh, my overreaction. I mean, this is just a fact. The Bears are done. Trubisky's done. His career, his career for the Bears is done. I see the Bears. I honestly, really do see the Bears trading for Cam Newton. I he hope has, you don't. That guy sucks. Uh, He's bad. He he has been at that MVP level before, and if he gets back, we've got something special in Chicago. We it's only the quarterback. Once we have a quarterback, 
The wheels start moving. David Montgomery starts running over defenders. This defense keeps busting through offensive lines, and we're having fun in Chicago. So, what were you going to say? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, No, I was really just going to simply cap it off with Cam Newton will bring the Bears to a Super Bowl. I could not (laughs) disagree harder. Cam Newton, first of all, can't even throw the football anymore. And he's the best part of his game was always that he could avoid a tackler and he was mobile enough to get it done. The dude can't walk. He's so banged up. He's been banged up since the 2015 Super Bowl. It's four straight years of injury. Dude can't throw anymore. Dude can't play anymore. I think he's I think he's done. Done. I just think Nick's overreaction is just a simple reaction to what he saw last night. Yeah. And he needs to just see something else. And I, I agree, not with Cam Newton, but with your point of view. Cam Newton right now is Bigger, older Mitch Trubisky. That's what you're getting. Mm, come on, that's that's really. <laughs> this isn't something. Heisman winner Cam Newton anymore. It's not 2009. He's not stealing computers at the University of Florida. <laughs> uh, my overreaction of the week is that the Falcons are not going to lose the rest of the year. I've said. I mean, we already said it already. But they haven't allowed a touchdown in ten quarters. Their schedule stinks. They're not going to lose. Nine and seven. Dan Quinn's going to get a lifetime extension. <laughs> I'm going to be miserable this time again next year. Uh, uh, Lance, why do you love uh, why do you love sports this week? The Evansville Purple oh. Aces defeating the Kentucky Wildcats at Kentucky. Uh, who saw that coming? And just being in Indiana, uh, us uh, Hoosiers fans felt the win all the way from Lexington because actually during the game, uh, during the Indiana game, I can't remember who they were playing. North Alabama. North Alabama. When they showed the score of the Evansville and Kentucky game, the crowd absolutely erupted in Assembly Hall and started. they started cheering for Evansville. Uh, and it was just, it was really just a happy time. Fun to see another Indiana team take down number one Kentucky. Uh, it's pretty hilarious. You would think Cal paid his players enough to get that win, wouldn't you? And you would think that Cal would learn his lesson and not play another Indiana team in the pre- or in the non-conference season. True. All right, so why I love sports this week, um, it's all Falcons for me. <laughs> uh, really, it is It is true. I don't, I don't, I never hated Dan Quinn as a person. I really just did hate him as a coach. But it is very nice to see that this team truly does love him as their head coach and you're seeing the payoff of that now I mean it's been eight, eight games into the season it took him to figure it out but you're seeing this team play like Dan play for Dan Quinn and win games for him um, and they look like this is the best these last two weeks the best of this Falcons team has looked since you know the NFC championship in 2016 so I'm back in you know I'm ready to get hurt again when you say the first half of the Super Bowl yeah, 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 you're right. First half of the Super Bowl. Well, really, first three quarters of the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know. All right. Thanks, Kyle Shanahan. The reason that I love sports is one that you love sports last week, IU men's soccer. They're yeah. the real deal. They beat Michigan in penalty kicks to win its second straight Big Ten tournament. Selection Monday was today. They are the fifth national seed in the field of, I think it's 32 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but they have a very good chance to go back to the College Cup. They're playing very, very good soccer. They're best of the season right now, and they look great. Yeah, I mean, it's, at this point, it's just, just you know whether or not they're going to win a championship and if they'll make it to the College Cup. Like they're they they are good enough to do it every year. They play Kentucky, or they'll probably play Kentucky. The winner of Kentucky and Loyola Chicago, uh, they Indiana first has earned its spy. They'll play the winner of that game. 
the schedule will kind of the ties will come out later, but Kentucky, the team that they tied to earlier in the season. All right, that's going to do it for us today, folks. Be sure to tune in next week for what looks like just another day in sports. I was walking down the street when out the corner of my eye I saw a pretty little thing approaching me. She said, I never seen